if today is your first day, you should know right off the bat, I'm not Pastor Keith. So if you've been hearing great things about Pastor, which I'm sure you probably have, you'll have to come back next week. Um, he's not here this week, so I'm going to do my very best to fill in for him this week. Um, my name is Ryan Inlow. Um, I attend here with my beautiful wife and family, and we always sit right over there and say, hey, guys. Um, and so it is an honor to uh, fill in for Pastor, because I know, as you do, how seriously he, he takes this job and how prepared and how timely and just how, um, what a quality of leader and speaker that he is. And so he, he left me some big shoes to fill. So we're going to get started with prayer. Lord, God, we love you. We are grateful to have the opportunity to gather together in your house to hear your word, God. Certainly nothing that I've prepared, God, but use me, speak through me to deliver a timely message to your people. And let us be changed by it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so before we get started, I got to be honest with you because we are in church, right? When pastor asked me to speak this Sunday, so he asked me last Saturday, and and. And like I said, I was honored. I said, Pastor, of course, whatever you need, however I can serve you so you can get a break, of course. So he said, okay, I'm going to lock you in. Sunday morning, last Sunday, I'm sitting over there as we always do, and Pastor's going through love and respect, and your role as a husband, and man, this is what you have to do, one, two, three, no, step A, B, and C. I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've got some work to do. And then he says, by the way, ladies, next week it's your turn. And it took me about half a second to realize what he did to me. As he did the men's message and left me with the women's message. So, um, yeah, so I talked to him about it, and he promised uh, that, that one, that he'd be praying for me. And two, that after service, if I needed a place to hide, he had a place um, that I could go to. Thank you. Yeah. So as you know, this, we're, we're in the middle of a series called Love and Respect. And so Valentine's Day was just a few days ago. And um, looking around the room, I don't see any hospital bracelets or fresh black eyes. So I'm assuming you guys either did one of two things. Either one, the swelling's gone down already. Or two, you guys took pastor's advice and took Valentine's Day seriously. I know as guys, sometimes we tend to downplay these events, these, these things that ladies think are so important. You know, um, Valentine's Day, I've heard guys say, oh, it's just created by corporations to make movies and sell candy and flowers. And it very well may be. But it's important if you're in a relationship. Valentine's Day is important, birthdays, anniversaries. They're important, guys. You got you to gotta get with it. Go ahead and embrace it. And on that note of anniversaries, I would be uh, remiss if I did not share with you guys that three years ago Thursday was our wedding anniversary with my beautiful wife and I. And um, I bring that up because some of you know, but I'm sure some of you don't know about the role that Liberty Church plays in our love story. 
that we actually got engaged um, three and a half, four years ago out in module number three during an encounter weekend. So, so I want to speak to two groups here, singles. Um, if you're in module number three, watch out because love is in the air. Or ladies, if you're trying to lock down your man, I hope you got him signed up for encounter because it's too late now, right? You have to wait for the next one. Um, so today we are continuing our series on love and respect. And as pastors shared every week, this is not just a message for married people. If you're single, certainly if you're married. But if you're single, uh, widowed, divorced, this is a message for every single one of us because it applies to truths that apply in every single relationship you have, not just romantic ones. And so God, in his mercy, has given us an insight into each other, into men and women. So let's start by revisiting one of the foundation stones of this series. And it says, marriage is God's idea. And it is holy. The context for all loving, intimate, and sexual relationships between one man and one woman is marriage. Marriage is holy, and it's our job as the church, and that's you, and that's me, the church, it's our job to bring clarity on what marriage is supposed to look like to the culture, because the culture has it all backwards and inside out and upside down, especially, you know, in recent years, same-sex marriage and all that. Listen, you don't have to be hateful. You don't have to be ugly. But when two people of the same sex decide to cohabitate, you can call it lots of things. You can call it cohabitation, domestic partnership. Just don't call it marriage because it's not. Marriage is holy, and it is clearly defined by God as one man and one woman. So in marriage, it's the foundation stone upon which God intended his family unit to be built. Marriage is the foundation of the family. And what is the family or a series of families if not the foundation of our neighborhoods and neighborhoods of our towns, towns, cities, cities, states, and states, our nation? Guys, it all starts with strong families and strong marriages. All right, let's read God's word together. And we've got a long scripture, so we're going to go ahead and read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and dissect it. So if you get lost, it's okay. We're going to come back and, and pick it up. But we're in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. And it says this. I'm sorry. Yeah, 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives... This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. 
He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually loves himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. And pause here for one second. If you remember last week, Pastor talked about how our marriages are meant to be an illustration of Christ and the church of that relationship. So verse 33, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That was a lot. I know. That was a lot to take in. So everyone needs love and respect. Love, love unlocks a woman's soul, allowing her to be the best version of herself, just like respect unlocks a man allowing him to be the best version of himself. So today, we're going to drill down onto what mutual submission for a wife looks like in the Christian context. So we're going to read again verses 21, 22, and 33. Verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And 33, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right, so what does that mean? So the core value of every man is respect, which means his deepest need is to be respected. Mutual submission for a wife, it simply means respect your husband unto the Lord. And submission today, I know it's kind of a dirty word. Honestly, I'm not going to submit to nobody. You know, No one's going to tell me what to do. But it's not a dirty word. It, it, it doesn't mean that you're any less important, any less capable, any less intelligent at all. On the contrary, when we read through the Bible and we read how Jesus would submit his will to the Father's will, which is what marriage is supposed to kind of be a reflection of, did we consider Jesus any less than, any less capable, any less God? When he put his will to the side? Of course not. If anything, the contrary, and it makes us respect him and admire him even more. So ladies, when we talk about what it means for a wife to respect her husband, remember, we're talking about meeting his deepest needs. His needs, not his wants, not all his crazy wishes, but what he needs as a man, what God has designed him to need. Again, just as a woman needs love, a man needs respect in order to be the man that you dated and wanted to marry. So most Christian women genuinely love their husbands and genuinely want to honor and respect them. But just like us, ladies, sometimes you interpret actions, decisions, responses through a distorted lens or a filter that causes you to feel unloved. 
Men speak with a blue microphone. We wear blue glasses and blue hearing aids. Ladies speak with a pink microphone, pink glasses and pink hearing aids. It doesn't mean that either one of us are right or wrong. We're just different. So one example, as I was preparing for this, is I thought about my wife and I, you know, about all that we have in common, but we are still so, so different. And one example is she loves to talk. Yeah, you guys know. You guys know. She's a talker. She's never met a stranger. She has a gift for talking to people. I believe that. I don't have that gift. I am naturally perfectly okay coming in, praising the Lord, and leaving. I know I need to work on that because, you know, the Lord's all about relationships, but she has a gift for talking. I don't have that gift. And there have been times where I've taken naps in the parking lot of this church waiting for her to finish conversations with some of y'all. So y'all help me out, you know, when keep an eye on the watch because I'm probably out there asleep. But on the flip side, you know, we, we might be out and, you know, I'll pass by somebody and, you know, someone that I know from work or wherever and a guy and I'll, you know, give him a, hey, you know, how you doing? Keep going. She's like, you guys mad at each other? I'm like, no, that's my best friend. She's like, you didn't say a word. I know that's why he's my best friend. <laughs> like, we're just different. And not that one's right or one's wrong, but we just have to understand and, and appreciate that about each other. Respecting your husband, it, it begins with respecting your differences. He's not a woman. He will never be a woman. You don't want him to be a woman. It is impossible for him to think like you. Impossible. We've tried. He can't think like you. He can't act like you. So honor those differences. Honor those instead of criticizing or comparing them to others. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul says this, chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child... I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He goes on in chapter 16 to say, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And on to verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. We're different men and women. Men act like men, think like men, God even encourages us to act like men. We just read it. Now, men, that's not an excuse to be short, be insensitive, be ugly, or unloving. Because he says in the next verse, let all you do be done in love. So as our wives honor our differences, we need to honor theirs as well. And so men... Here's where we have to take a long, hard look at ourselves, because imagine, well, let me say this. The Bible teaches submission. It teaches there's a head in the home, and that authority is defined by God. We've, we've established that. But imagine this. Imagine a woman, imagine your wife is reading the scripture, and she reads that it is telling her to submit to her husband. And she looks over there at her husband, and she sees this self-centered 
little boy who only cares about his needs and his wants and his jobs and his friends and his hunting trip and his ESPN and his whatever, whatever, whatever. She's like, I'm supposed to submit to that? Talk about creating bitterness in the heart of your wife. That's a great way to do it. But imagine, imagine that same woman who was called to honor and submit to her husband, and she looks over there at her husband, and she sees in him something of what the disciples saw in Jesus when he would say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done, and how he constantly would sacrifice to put others first. Imagine if she saw that, and I'm not a woman, but I would imagine she'd say, I can follow a man like that. I can submit to a man like that. I can trust a man like that. So guys, we've got a part to play in this also. Remember, ladies, complaining and comparing. I'm sorry, guys, I've got mixed up. Here we go. On the other hand, so guys, we have a role to play. On the other hand, ladies, remember the crazy cycle that Pastor coined. He's braver than me. I never would have called it the crazy cycle. When a man feels disrespected, he acts unloving. And when you feel unloved, you can act disrespectful, and round and round and round it goes. So ladies, if you constantly criticize your husband because he doesn't look like you or act like you or you're constantly comparing him to other men who can do this or do that or make more money or whatever or why can't you do this or why don't you know how to do that he will at a point stop engaging with you he'll stop he'll stop talking he'll stop acting he'll stop providing input into the family Many times, men go passive in a family because they feel disrespected in their own home. But when we honor those differences, amazing things happen. When his need is met, and his need is what? Respect. When his need is met, his heart is open. And he becomes the person that you dated, the one you fell in love with, the one you actually wanted to marry. The truth is, it was those differences in the beginning that attracted you to him. When you dated him, you respected him. And you celebrated those little differences that made him your man, like that, like that unibrow now that you notice that goes all the way across his forehead. When you were dating, you thought it was like a cute little caterpillar or something. You thought it was cute. But now you're like, I'm going to snatch that thing off your head if you say one more word to me. <laughs> How do we get there? That don't happen overnight. It's a lack of love. It's a lack of respect. And it goes around and round and round. So, ladies, let's talk about a few of these differences and how you can respect what makes your man a man. As a man, he is called to work in the field, to go out and be a provider. You are called to work in the family. When you respect his desire to succeed and provide through his work, you honor him and actually empower him to be more uh, empowered in the family. 
Listen to what happened when sin entered the world. God cursed the woman, where? In the family. And the man, where? In the field. Why? Because that is what was in their hearts. Genesis 3, 16 and 19. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains, and by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return." As a man, we're called to work in the field. I think it's funny how sometimes we say, hey, what kind of, what field of work are you in? You know, it's funny how that is still around in our lingo. As a woman, you're called to work in the family. So if a wife constantly criticizes her husband, her work, or his work, and compares his passion to work for his passion for the home, it deflates him. But when a wife honors his work and passion to succeed on the job, it empowers him, again, to be more involved in the family. Remember, ladies, complaining and comparing will never motivate your man to do better. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't confront unhealthy behavior or ungodly behavior. We're partners in this thing, right? So you can put us in check sometimes. Just do it respectfully. That's all we ask. And now we have one more difference to look at between the husband and the wife. That requires the wife's respect. As a man, he desires his wife sexually. And when you respect his sexual desires, you meet a need in his life that only you as his wife can meet. After all, it was his desire for you that attracted you to him and made you want to marry him in the first place. No one gets married to someone who finds them appalling. He was attracted to you. He thought you were beautiful, and that made him attractive to you. And ladies, let me give you some good news. Your husband still thinks you're beautiful, even on days where you don't feel it. And men, you should tell them you think they're beautiful. Because as much as ladies want us to read their minds, they can't read ours either. So unless you tell them, sweetheart, you look good. She doesn't know that you feel that way. And another thing is sometimes words aren't enough. You might tell your wife three or four times a day, baby, you're beautiful, and there's still going to come a day when she says, do you really think I'm pretty? Guys, you got to show it in actions. Have fun with her. Chase her around the house. Make your kids a little bit uncomfortable with some PDA in the living room. You don't have to be gross. But they see enough of it in the world and in movies and wherever. Let them see a little bit of it in the right Christian context. Give them a reference. Give them a chance at a normal relationship. And I didn't say this in the first service because I didn't think they could handle it. (laughs) But this is for the men and the women. But uh, if you're a spouse 
bends over to pick something up and you're in a healthy relationship, they ought to be very concerned about you popping them on the butt. <laughs> hey, it's a rule in our house. You, you drop something, you better check left and check right. Guys, you got to have fun, man. You're in this for life. Have some fun with it. That's your wife. That's your husband. You're, that's your one body, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. That's how it should be. Men have a physical desire, and women have an emotional desire. Both of them put there by God. Both desires need to be met in a healthy relationship. But again, remember, denying your husband's need will not fill your need. The key to a healthy, life-giving relationship is mutual submission. 1 Corinthians 7 says this, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. In verse 4, it says, The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. In verse 5, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And as we begin to wrap up, if the, if the music wanted to um, play in the, in the background, one of Satan's greatest schemes is to cause people to have sex before they're married and then once they're married, stop having sex. Ladies, please hear this. When you honor and respect the needs of your husband, you're honoring the Lord because he designed your husband with those needs. Just as a husband loves Christ by loving his wife and dying for her daily. This is all about drawing us closer to Jesus and strengthening our relationship with God. So God, in his wisdom, he created this supernatural dependency that requires humility and sacrifice in both directions for relationships to survive. And he requires, it says he asks, but he requires that we give what does not come naturally. Because he is inviting us to live a supernatural life. And so here's, here's the bottom line. You and I need Jesus. Relationships apart from Jesus, they may thrive for a season. On their best day, they may thrive. I'm sorry, survive. They may survive. But with Jesus, our relationships will thrive and flourish and be an example to our children of what a good, godly relationship can look like. Don't be afraid to hold your wife's hand or, you know, give her a peck. I mean, keep it fun. Like I said, a little, a little PDA never killed anybody. 
But guys, as we invite the prayer team up, we're going to do two things. One, the, the, the absolutely most important thing is if you found yourself here this morning, and I see a lot of new faces, so maybe this is some of you. If you found yourself here this morning and, and you don't have that relationship that empowers all other relationships, that relationship that should be at the core of all other relationships, that one with Jesus, if you don't have that, today is the day. I don't believe in coincidence. Today is the day. And then the second thing we're going to do is if over these last three weeks, maybe some of what pastors talked about or what we talked about today, if, if you're like, you know what? I could be a better husband. I could be a better wife. Whatever's going on in your heart, that's between you and the Lord. You and the Holy Spirit are going to work that out. But we want to offer an invitation for you to come and do that here. Because why in the world would you take it home with you? You've been carrying that long enough. Or maybe, husbands, you're carrying around some disrespect. Maybe y'all have been wrapped in that crazy cycle for so long, and you're like, you know what? Sounds good, but she's going to have to be the one to, you know, say sorry first. It's foolish, guys. If y'all ain't right, you don't have to come up to the altar to do it, but y'all need to work that out. Break that crazy cycle right now. Today's the day. Cut it out. Marriage is meant to be a beautiful thing, but in the world today, it is messed up. And it is our job to clarify for the culture what that should look like. Let it start with you. Let it start with me. Let it start with us in Arab, Alabama. So that being said, we're going to open up the altars. We invite y'all to come up for any reason whatsoever. Altars open. If you will stand up with us, we're going to do one more song of worship as, this, as the prayer team's here and we get ready to go into one more song of worship and give those that need prayer an opportunity to do so. Because we have had enough of getting everything we want. We are weary living this life just for us oh forgive us some seeking your hand and not your face father we're desperate in this place so holy spirit fill us with your fire give us your desires Hold us close to you, Holy Spirit. Give us revelation, healing visitation. Nothing else will do, because we want more and more and more and more of you.
Nothing else will do. 